Hi, and welcome to the Making Our Way podcast. This week, our guest is Jeff Bainett, a fine box maker and woodworker from Wisconsin. Thanks for listening. Hey, gang. Good to see you this week. What up, hey, my hey. dude? I've been excited to talk to you guys this week. Good. Oh, you What's missed us. On? I just missed you guys, you know. That's I miss cool. your busk. <laughs> I miss your Zoom scent. Or Zoom scent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's been weird since we've moved the days, like my weeks change, and now we meet at the end of the week. And so, right, used to be at the beginning of the week. So, like, work was now I'm like the week's winding down, and we finally get to have our call. And I'm like, oh, God, I wish we had done this already. You know what's funny, though? <laughs> on Tuesday, because we used, uh, you know, for 100 episodes, we did Tuesdays all the time. This past Tuesday, I found myself listening to a whole lot of patreon episodes and i'm like mm. it's not like these guys died or anything i get <laughs> i could talk to them like at the drop of a hat i but was I just, wondering because you were like oh this will be a good clip for our next patreon release or and stuff like that yeah i just listened to i just let that play on my drive to work that morning and i'm like what is wrong with me i thought about so, you too uh because last week i think in q3 we talked about organizing uh-huh. shops and stuff and i listened to another podcast where they had on a very prolific organizer and she suggested you take a box and all the stuff that you're not using you put it in that box if you have trouble throwing things away oh right and have kind of like a uh purgatory box or a holding period box and so you That's put everything idea. in this box and then you go put that in wherever and if you don't go and pull something out that box in three months then it all gets thrown away I, I like, do that oh, with I Tupperware that lids. I do that with Tupperware lids because I'm like, I've got a lid, but I don't know where the bowl is, but it's Tupperware. You can't get rid of that. That's just kind of, you know, now, as I say that Marvin listens to this episode. So, hey, Marvin, don't listen to that and don't try to find or throw away the lid of or the box of lids. So anyway, Marvin okay. may or may not have doubled his Patreon last week with the implicit instructions of talk more about throwing shit away. so but no when i heard the purgatory box thing and and they had a more pc term i can't remember what she said she had a bunch of good tips i'll I'll send you that podcast Um, yeah oh yeah i like that kind of stuff you know but so that's what i did this week i just kind of uh i don't know why i didn't really want to start on anything new and so i just had basketball on and swept and cleaned up but i had a moment of inspiration one of the big pet peeves I have in the shop or things I don't like about my current layout is my table saw is basically against the wall. So once I get much further than the blade, I can't really rip anything longer than that. I have to go outside and I think I've made a decision. Um, what it runs into it, like feeds into a lumber rack. I'm going to get rid of that lumber rack. So that'll give me another 18 inches, two feet. If I play it right of out feed. And I think I can redesign that to, you know, I'll have a lot of dead space under that table, but Mm -hmm. I think I can design in some smart storage opportunities in that. And then it will give me another large work surface over there because what I really need is a table to weld on over there. Oh, yeah. Right now I have the Harbor Freight folding tables Mm -hmm. and they're nice, but they're just hard to store. Uh, If you have one, the legs kind of flip out in like a triangle and they're very floppy. And then the top has like this, almost full circle, but kind of crescent deal. And that's what folds the table over, but it's yeah. it protrudes. So it doesn't really get flat and narrow to store anywhere. 
it's still pretty, you know, it's probably eight inches wide, even collapsed. So it's, it's been a storage nightmare. And I think I'm going to take the tops off of those and permanently mount them. That'll be by the door. It'll be by the welding machines. And that'll be kind of my welding spot as well. Good idea. The other thing, um, this weekend, I've got a project. I know I have to get on Easter weekend. So I've got two things I have to tackle, but one of them's kind of neat. I got a call. So I've been kind of making these branding irons for people, just practice, trying to get my settings dialed in. And I made some for my buddy Clay over at Twisted Arrow for him to do hats. So he is going to do a run of hat patches. He has a really big um, hot iron thing, kind of like what you have, Austin, for your foil. Yeah, like but a it's, hot foil press. Yeah, so I just thread the back. He can put the stamps on there, heat it up, set up a jig to put a leather patch in, and then burn the design into the leather patch. And he had a successful run. So those kind of got in front of somebody who got in front of somebody who got in front of somebody. And I have a friend who does chain stitching. So that's real oh, yeah. big down here in Texas. So you'll go to the rodeo and you'll have a bandana and get your name chain stitched on it or howdy chain stitched on it. And he's taken off. He's gotten in. He was uh, picked up by um, Wilson, the athletics su- oh, yeah. supplier during the final mm-hmm. four. He had a little thing set up where people would buy final four hats and he chain stitched their names on them and stuff. Well, he was contacted by Tyler Childers, uh, the country singer. Um, he's going to be in Houston in two weeks and they want Lane stitching there to do chain stitching stuff. And Lane asked if I would make them a brand of the album cover of Tyler's album cover so that they oh, nice. can do patches and coasters with that as an, in addition to the chain stitching. So we're going to, that's exciting. Com- yeah, it was neat. Cause it, it was, it was again, you know, a service that came to me because I had done one and then they knew I had done one and it just kind of worked its way through. And um, so, yeah, I'm going to put that together and that'll be something they have it like their merch booth or whatever. Um, if you want to get the logo of the, uh, the album put on any of the stuff that you buy, we'll have it there at a press. So I won't be there, but they'll have the machine there and they can hot press it there. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah, Look so at you. I'm sure the laser will blow up midway through, but. <laughs> <laughs> when did you say they're coming to town? The 19th. So uh, about oh, right around weeks. the corner. Yeah, but I'll just do it tomorrow. I mean, I'm off tomorrow's right. Friday. I'll just do it tomorrow and get it over with. I'm not off tomorrow. Kristen's not off tomorrow either. And this is kind of neither here nor there, but our Wi-Fi went out last night. And everything well, yeah, we have what... is, yeah, t- our TVs, Wi-Fi, everything. Yeah. So I just thought it was due to the weather. You know, this is, we're Thursday. So a lot of the Southern part of the States had a lot of weather just come through. It's actually kind of same band hitting Christy in Missouri is mm-hmm. hitting me in Texas. I just thought it was weather related, but apparently our gateway went out. And so Uh-oh. I had to call AT&T and I'm impressed with how fast they're going to ship a new one to me. It'll be here in a day. Wow. But Kristen has to work from home tomorrow because their office downtown is closed for Good Friday, but she still has to work because it's quarter closed and she's an accountant. So I didn't think internet was going to work. And I, I tried to reset it last night. It didn't work. Today, I just unplugged everything, let it sit for 30 minutes, plugged it all back in, and it did work. Uh, so I still want to swap everything out, but I was able to record the podcast tonight, and hopefully she can work tomorrow. Yeah. Mm. So speaking of all that, what you been up to, Christy? Tax season? Um, yeah, but nobody wants, I don't want to talk about that no more. Uh, Thank uh, actually, fucking actually, God. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I kidnapped my husband over the weekend 
And uh, much to his surprise, Friday evening when I come home, we went over into Oklahoma to a friend of mine. She's got a new Airbnb. And um, so I made a reservation on that. And I so I kidnapped him. And, you know, there's just something nice about getting away from the house, getting away from thinking about on the weekend, well, I need to do this and I need to do that, or I could do that or whatever. So it was just nice to get away because Marvin's been working a ton. I've been working a ton. And um, even though we love our house and our shop and everything, man, it was just nice to get away. So we went over there and um, just had a great time. So then Saturday, we you know, we kind of tootled around to see what kind of, you know, antique mall, flea mall, flea market kind of shops. Um, and uh, we went into this one and, it, you know, they call themselves an antique mall. It's more like a it's more like a flea market, but that's OK, because those are kind of the fun, fun ones to kind of dig around in. And um, as soon as we walked in, the the lady by her desk, she said, everything's negotiable. <laughs> there was, she, she laid on all her cards the moment we walked in to the shop. And so I was like, okay. And we didn't have anything in particular we were looking for. We were just, you know, looking to look. So we're, you know, lollygagging around and, and I was, I don't remember what got my attention in, in one of the little rooms and Marvin's like, Christy, come here, come here, come here. So I go over there and there is a leg vice. I mean, Ooh. like four inch, all the parts, it cranked smooth. I mean, it was the only thing is that the leg was a little bit bent, but I mean, it had all its parts and everything. And so we were, you know, trying to be real quiet because we didn't want her knowing we were looking at it or talking right. about it or whatever. Yeah. And so I'm like, ooh, $300. I don't know if I want to pay that. And then all of a sudden I hear, everything's negotiable. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted it out. She was she was ready to make a deal. So as you guys know, I took pictures, sent pictures to you guys. I sent pictures to uh, Brett out there in, in California as well to kind of, because I mean, I kind of had an idea, but I wanted to, you know, I, I wanted opinions because you know, 300 bucks is a lot of money, that kind of thing for that kind of stuff. But like I said, it was in good shape. It, it, it turned smooth. Everything was looking really good about it. So after a few texts back and forth with, with everybody and, and um, we just kind of meandered around the rest, you know, we walked away cause we were going to try to be kind of cool and, and not like drag it right to the door or right to the desk, right out of the gate. So we, you know, walked around a little more. And and then we were over in an area where I was thinking she couldn't hear me. So that's when we were kind of coming up with our game plan. And so I was like, okay, I'll go ahead and offer $200 because I was, I was thinking that she might be, you know, female to female. I was hoping that she might be more agreeable to let me have a deal rather than Marvin. I mean, I don't know. I had no reason to believe that she had a problem with anything. And then also, by the way, Austin, I did have my, um, my red Austin t-shirt oh, on, on it. with the anvil on the front oh, yeah. too. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, my theory was I was going to offer 200 and assume I was going to have to come up from that. You know, I was thinking 250 ish because like I said, I didn't want um, 
a vice that I was going to have to repair because that's not in my wheelhouse nor in my time frame. So, so anyway, we went around and, and I, and I asked her, I said, Hey, you know, I'm looking at this, which take 200. And so she came over to look at it and she goes, well, let me check with my, with my partner. And so she went and got the the gentleman and he came around and, you know, he had one of those goatees with the little uh, rubber band ponytails in. And I mean, he, he was, he had that like working man structure, not a very tall guy, but I mean, he was, you know, he could have been using that vice somewhere. And uh, he came around and looked at it and cause I'm, you know, that's a big chunk of change going from 300 to 200. And he looked at me and he goes, cash. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't haggle me at all. I was, I was quite tickled with that. We uh, scrounged up the $200 cash and he hauled it out for me and, uh, and even loaded it up in the, in the Jeep for us. So we were pretty, pretty tickled with our, uh, with our find that weekend and and just had a really, just a nice time getting away. And man, I just slept so good because I wasn't thinking about when I woke up in the morning, what I needed to do or what I should do or whatever. It was just, and I found the prices right was on a channel over there. So I got to sit and watch all your prices were right. Yeah. Oh my God. Like 1985 Bob Barker on the prices, right? That just, that made my day. So, so yeah. Great, really enjoyable weekend that we had this weekend and productive all around. Awesome. So what have you been up to, Austin? Uh, just, you know, working. I'm like you too, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the coolest thing that I did was I made this uh, that boiler is so cool. for my dad. Yes. So it's, uh, we, I can actually talk about it because this won't release before. Because I'm just, I'm just going to give it to him. Like, I can't wait that long now that I finished this thing. Was so it I mean, supposed to be Father's Day or something? Yeah, Father's Day oh, okay. present, but I'm not. I'm not waiting. Yeah. So, so my dad's um, been learning machining. You know, he's been learning mm-hmm. the mill and the lathe. And so he's pretty much taken over my South Bend. And he's like, you know, I think that thing's been cleaned about 75 times since he's been using it. <laughs> I've cleaned it once. <laughs> but uh, so he, uh, he he's kind of been doing a lot of machining and I was like, Oh man, I should make him something for machining, you know, to kind of get him, get him into it. And the South Bend, it has like unbelievable amount of oil ports that you have. Like it's got, Oh wow. I think there's like 28 locations that need lubrication on a South Bend every time you, you know, according to them, every time you're going to use it. Right. And uh, so there's, and there's three different types of oil. Well, the main oil that you use for the South Bend, we have it in a really shitty oil can. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to, people might know this one. It's an Eagle 66. It's like a, the brass trigger oil can that you would see. Um, you know, they don't make them anymore, but back in the day, you would have seen those and they're very collectible now. So I've made a, a clone of it mm-hmm. and, um, and mine's out of all brass, except for I made the big base plate out of copper. And uh, so it's, it's pretty cool. It's way heavier in your hand, you know, like it's got some, some, some weight to it. Which would How be did you get the of, design? I mean, did you get plans from somewhere? Or you just figured it out. So the Eagle Oiler was, you know, the patents over with, you know, forever ago. So um, there's a guy in one of my machinist groups who drew up these plans and made it, and he made some of them. And um, and uh, <laughs> I was like, man, if you're cool with sending me those plans, I love them. And he's like, oh, I'll just post them for the group. So he, everybody in the group was able to download them. And uh, 
I should really write him back because there's like three uh, dimensions that he totally blew in the plans that I had to go back and remake the parts with a different size drill bit or a different, you know, like. Yeah, that was like uh, when I made the belt following your plans and you fucked that all up. Yeah, exactly. You know, great minds. Um, Plans. Yeah, let's figure it out yourself. I got you 90 percent. (laughs) Okay. But anyways, I'm super stoked with the way it came out. I think he's going to love it. Um, Oh, yeah. I actually was able to, I, I, I stuck the uh, siphon tube before I put the bottom on because the bottom is a big press fit. Uh, I stuck it into a water bottle and I was able to shoot water out um, nice. and it worked because I was like, I have no idea if this thing's going to even freaking work, but I didn't want to yeah. fill it full of oil and give it to them, you know, all yeah. slimy and gross. So I was like, well, let me go ahead and just try it with some water. So, so when are you actually giving it to him? I'm going to give it to him tomorrow. Um, it, uh, <laughs> when I looked at the plans and this is like totally me, I'm like, eh, it's like a day, you know, like in a day. <laughs> and it's, that was three weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't been working on it. You know, I, I actually, I almost worked on it at least for like an hour a day for three weeks. So, well, you know, figure that out. But, and, and to be fair, I wasn't just working on one. I was working on one for myself too. Oh, but well, that's good. I made it about th- uh, three quarters of the way through. And I'm like, this is too much damn work. And so I just bailed <laughs> on mine and I'm just doing his. But you should find like a giant Easter egg to put it in and make him do an Easter egg hunt for it or put oh, it in a basket and give it to him on Sunday. They probably make those big like uh, uh-huh. oh, that there's that Ryan kid or something that opens up toys, but he's got those big plastic eggs. You can, yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're always all this stuff out one. the egg. Okay, yeah. Just so steal it from him, borrow it from him. Can you take the can you take this the spigoty thing off, or is it all one piece permanently now? No, yeah, that that unbolts. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That, both the trigger and the uh, and the spout both unbolt. It, it breaks. Say. It breaks down quite a bit. Okay. Some, some of it doesn't. Uh, Total Easter egg because that would he would he would make it tricky or he would make it an adventure if it was the tables were turned. Yeah, I think you should definitely uh, send him on a scavenger hunt. Scavenger. All right, so tonight we're joined with Jeff Bainan from Bainan Boxes. Thanks for joining us, man. Hey, thanks for asking. Well, looking at your uh, your Instagram page, you kick it off right there with exploring new ideas of what a wooden box can be. And looking at most things on your page, I never would have guessed that these things are boxes. <laughs> Um, so hats off to you there right out the gate, because these are, I mean, these are like pieces of art. So I really want to like encourage folks to go straight to your page, even before they listen to the episode and check this stuff out because this is super cool. Now we want to start particularly with your wasp box, I guess I should say, um, what's the name of it and what does that mean? Uh, the name of the piece, and I'll say this one is not actually a box. It turned out to be a display. Okay, okay. But uh, no, it's fine. Um, its name is the name of the piece is Domus Dolorum, uh, which is Latin for House of Pain. Okay. <laughs> can you, so, like, for folks that haven't had a chance to look at, at your page or look at the pictures yet, can you kind of give uh, just kind of an overview of, of what what this piece is? Uh, it could almost it almost be like an altarpiece in the fact of it. It is actually a 
a real wasp nest uh, that my oh, father took okay, out of good. a tree. Wow. That he, he cut out of his tree on the, our family property. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't live there anymore, but um, but he gave it to me and he got the glass dome from uh, one of his friends. And he goes, hey, can you just make me a base for this? And that's that's how it all started. <laughs> Simple request. Yeah. Yeah. So now this has been a long project for you. Am I right? Yes. Three, three years, not consistently working on it, but it took, it took three years to finish the piece. Well, I think it is definitely time well spent. And with this kind of thing, it just reminds me that quality is definitely more important than quantity when it comes to projects. Cause sometimes I got to, for me, I just want to get projects out, 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 but I need to just slow down because I mean, it's just absolutely beautiful. So let's kind of start talking about, um, you know, as far as the planning and you already kind of told us where the inspiration came from. How do you plan this type of platform for the nest and the parts that go with it? Uh, Planning starts with uh, probably a beer right away, but then... uh, (laughs) Uh, it's really taking, for me, uh, measuring up the glass dome, that was the one like consistent piece. And then after that, uh, thinking about kind of really what I wanted to do, uh, doing some hand sketches. Uh, and then I move into, because of what I do per profession, uh, I moved into uh, starting designing it in SolidWorks, which is just a, a modeling software. Mm. And um, there I can start coming up with ideas and actually modeling it. I can't, I don't model the wasps. That's a little more definitely on the, the art side of things, but the, the structure um, I can get a good idea of what I'm looking for. So as far as the structure kind of walk us through that process of where you started with, because there's a lot of details on yeah. this structure. Yeah. So you have the, the main body, and it, it has, it is curved all around. And most of that, like the top, I had gotten some really pretty Claro walnut um, from California. Mm-hmm. And I actually laminated that on top of uh, Wisconsin black walnut because there was just so much more figure in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then oriented the veneers. So it kind of gave it a spiral. If you can, you'd have to be looking up on top of it. Um, and then the centerpiece, the dome, that's actually on a, a precision Lazy Susan. Okay. So the, the entire center can uh, spin around. So if somebody wanted to, they can rotate it. Um, and that is a mix of like a really figured walnut veneer with a crazy bird's eye maple perimeter, uh, some black dyed veneer and some gaboon ebony uh, plugs. Yeah. It's just, it's just beautiful. And then on the side of the, of the platform, you've got like the larva of what would be inside a wasp's nest. I'm guessing. Yeah. That was a, that was uh, like a little final touch for me. Mm -hmm. Um, After finishing most of it, I just thought (laughs) it needed more, even though I had finished all the the wasps, everything. And I I just wanted to make some little more touch. So uh, on the lathe, I turned 24 little uh, bird's eye maple larvae, all different sizes. And uh, those are all doubled into position. So they can't, you know, they can't fall out or anything, but they're in the, that whole honeycomb pattern, which that, 
that was probably against the carving. That was probably one of the longest things to do. Right. Because with that honeycomb pattern or the, the sides like that, kind of walk us through, because you didn't just turn the CNC on, not to, not to say that a CNC is easy because everybody right. who listens knows I've yet to turn mine on. So I don't mean to diss any CNC folks, <laughs> but um, kind of talk us through like what, what, uh, what tools did you use and, and kind of your techniques as far as putting together literally dozens of little honeycomb uh, hexagons, get them all working together? Yeah, I, I would have to look at the actual post, but it's like 88 uh, little honeycomb pieces. Yeah. And then that's all glued up to make the four panels, but it was like hundreds of pieces. So it started with uh, milling down maple because um, I wanted the light color. So it's mm-hmm. uh, eighth inch, eighth inch thick of maple and then black dyed maple veneer. And it it's not very thick. It's a little bit over an eighth of an inch thick and then cutting those all into strips and then making a fixture to cut um, the equal angles on each one and then glue up each honeycomb individually and then take those and then glue them all up into a panel and then place the panel into a fixture and cut the curve on a bandsaw and then finally on a, um, an oscillating edge sander, uh, just smooth everything kind of out. So it all curves perfectly with uh, the whole top walnut and everything. Yeah, I particularly appreciated the really high tech um, clothespins that you yeah. use for clamps. <laughs> I'm a big fan of um, office binder clips, but considering you needed kind of a deeper clamp, uh, you and know, clothespins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that needed that to be really skinny. But yeah, it was like nothing, actually nothing in the box. I um, I actually don't have a CNC. So anything that requires something that would, you would think a CNC could make it um, is usually like, I make a lot of fixtures. I make a lot of templates for template routing, mm-hmm. uh, but I do all of those on a scroll saw. Oh, okay. If I, if I do any, any fixture and it's all done on a scroll saw, usually uh, like quarter inch hardboard is what I'm cutting and making a, a really nice fixture out of. Outside of the base, I guess, in essence, the legs holding up the base are the individual wasps because that's their their function, right? What yes. size, like inches, how tall or with or without the antennas, how big are we talking about for folks that are, you know, as far as dimensions? Uh, I believe, I think without the antenna, they're, they're probably like a foot tall, oh, right in, wow. right in there. Yeah. yeah, the whole piece, the whole piece is is with the dome on it, twenty six inches tall. Mm. So it's quite, it's pretty sizable when you get up when you get up next to it. Yeah. And then it's it was really from, like one of my favorite. Th- the one thing I like about woodworking is learning, learning all the classic things about woodworking, mm-hmm. um, as much as you possibly can, and then kind of coming up with your own thing. Yeah. So Jeff Christie's painted a really good picture of what this is. It's a piece with four wasps as the legs. They're kind of you know worshiping or, or you know in awe of this nest that your you said your father in law or your father uh, found. My father. Yeah. Father found. Um, you've got a glass globe. I'm kind of want to go back into 
just the mindset of how you planned all these pieces out that y'all talked about the larva and the honeycomb sides uh you know whenever you sat down and you got this wasp nest what was the first thing you did to decide what the final product was going to be it kind of it just kind of evolved a little bit over time sure um I mean, really, I mean, just I, you have to take in the, the set things, which I said was the glass. And then I based everything size wise kind of off of that, where in my head, I didn't want one. Like if I made the wasps six inches tall, it just went to look right. Right. So right. really in my in my head, I'm just thinking about scale the whole time. Sure. Um, and um, I'll come up with the base size, the, the main base size and then the legs. Um, I have a whole bunch of, it's like uh, envelope material, like a really thick paper. Um, and I'll start cutting out um, pieces uh, sure. so I can get kind of a scale. Uh, I'll download, I have a folder. I just downloaded as many pictures of uh, wasps as I could get mm. and then used uh, a projector to project it onto uh, cardboard or uh, like poster paper. Yeah. And until, and I would pull it away, move it closer until I got to the size that I really wanted and then, um, start sketching the outline of that. So would you say these wasp legs, was it one picture that you kind of keyed in on, or is this a combination of several photos to get your sculpture? Uh, the, like the side, if you look from a view from the side, that was like one picture and then to come up with, uh, the detail on the face. That was looking at like probably like six or seven pictures to really make sure I kind of would would really nail all the uh, detail in the, in the head. Whenever you're trying to find all that detail, are you one of these guys? You're on the couch for three days in a row, just scrolling wasp facts, making sure you got the <laughs> right amount of segments in the thorax and the abdomen and the tails the right. I mean, how deep of a dive do you go when you're working on something like this? Uh, I did find a lot of diagrams. Um, on the wasp, make sure that it, it was actually, if I was explaining this online, I wanted to make sure I was using the correct terms. So yeah, I, I had a bunch of it next to me, uh, when I was carving, so I could look at all the different pieces, call it the different pieces, uh, get the detail, right. Yeah. Then you talked about the woods already that you used walnut and maple. Were these just cause these are woods you like, or that you thought would look good with the nest? How'd you decide on the materials? Material, I like. I've I love working with black walnut. I think it's just such a rich and just beautiful wood, um, and the finish on it is always beautiful. And being around here, we do have a lot of maple trees, um, and so figured maple. Yeah, it's another one that I love. Um, I could have used some exotics, but I can't even imagine trying to carve an exotic, carving you know the wasp out of a really dense, oily tropical wood or something. Let's talk about carving those wasps. I can't imagine you just jumped in on the walnut. Did you have some kind of template piece? I It took about four or five different templates and uh, at, in different steps on uh, routing and making these templates. And then I had templates for sketching uh, all the different views um, but that I would lay on top of it and then use uh, white colored pencils because they show up the best on the black walnut. Yeah. And I could keep doing it and carving all the detail in, but to give myself a really good eye mind connection and hand connection to everything, 
I first carved an entire wasp out of basswood. Sure, something uh-huh. soft. Yeah, well, and it was really simple to that one was now I know why people carve out of basswood. <laughs> it's really <laughs> nice. <laughs> what's your carving setup like? If you're gonna do work like this, I mean, what's your workstation like? Uh big work table in front of me, shelves next to me with all uh I do use uh a Fordham carver. And actually uh through estate sales and stuff like that, I have uh two or three uh carvers set up. You're speaking Austin's love language right now. Yeah, I, those things are, I just love Fordham uh, carvers. They just, the rotary carvers. Um, a lot of saber tooth uh, bits. Um, they they work really well, but along with uh, two cherries, uh, carving sets, uh, rasps are very important to have too, to be able to smooth things out. I, was, I didn't want to leave like knife marks and everything in it. I wanted uh-huh. to try to smooth it out as much as possible. Then I'm curious on a process like this, where you replicate a piece four times, do you do one start to finish and then do the second one? Or do you do a step on all four? How, what's your process? It's really, it is kind of like, like doing a step on all four. Um, and, but the steps might take, like I might work on one for a couple of days and then go, okay, I'm, I'm up to this part. Let me catch up with another one. And then I'd work on that one. And then, and then I would go back and go, okay, the next detail is going to be this. And uh, because doing the first one, you can get it, you can be a little rough with it and maybe not get it perfect. But by the time you get to that fourth one, um, it's getting a little bit easier. A lot of the pieces, the, um, they're one-offs. Like if, if you look at the page or anything like that, when I do a box, rarely is there two of them. It's, it's a one piece of all those fixtures. All the, all the carving, that's this, that's, uh, it's just, I like to have that one special piece, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of special pieces, I was seeing a bunch of brass on this uh, wood creation. And I wanted to talk to you about the, um, you know, a couple of the techniques you use, like the, how did you cut out the wings? And then really, I wanted to dive into after that, uh, how you shaped the antenna. Um, yeah, the wings took... Uh, to about two weeks to cut out. Um, and those, uh, basically I found, uh, a template for the, I didn't find a template. It was a picture of the wasp wings. Um, and I just knew I had to leave a tab. So I actually milled slots into the wasps and I bent a 90 degree tab on the wings after I cut them out. But, um, yeah, that was, a, a on a scroll saw, uh, and I would just, uh, spray with contact. Uh, spray and put the template on it or the picture that I just photocopied a bunch of times and then just sit there and cut them all out. And then after they were cut out, uh, do four different levels of filing to file smooth all the, all the openings. And then each one started at a uh, hundred grit and got all the way to about 800 grit for sand, wet sanding them. Wow. And then, and then I sprayed them with uh, lacquer. Nice. And then, so what about your, um, your antenna? I saw some kind of jig rig deal. Can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So the antenna, that was, that was a design thing because I I will say I was going to cheat and I was trying to find a machine shop to make them for me. Mm. And uh, the cost, I mean, because you're asking them for eight pieces and I mean, I'm, 
I'm not a machinist, but I'm in the industry for getting stuff quoted and everything all the time. And we were talking like a thousand or two thousand dollars minimum to get the eight antenna. You're in the wrong. Uh, I'm gonna slodge my card real yeah. quick. <laughs> 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 well, what I was running into is is they wanted to do it. Most of them wanted to do it on a Swiss screw machine um, to be able to get it done, um, or they were just basically telling me to just get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like go away price. Price. yeah, they go go away price. So I had to design a, a fixture myself. Um, I won't lie, I tried to put these on a lathe and turn them, and really couldn't get the chatter and everything out of it. So right. I was just trying to think. Yeah, there was a better way. So putting a 60 grit disc on my sander. And then I have a, uh, a drill that I, I built a carriage for it. So the drill could be bolted in hard bolted into basically a carriage and I could put the brass into that and then spin it with the drill. And at the same time, feed it into the disc sander to get the taper that I wanted. And then Really, after that, I could just put it in my um, handheld drill and then step down on all my on the grits. And yeah, that's how. And then I made a, a, a two piece bending form out of hard maple uh, that I would put the wasps into and then put them in a vise and squeeze them to give them the each one got the curve. It's phenomenal. Yeah, that's a, it was really cool. If you guys get a chance, go to his Instagram page. He has. Uh, one or two at least videos of him doing that setup, uh, and I love I love seeing people uh, turn a drill into a lathe. Like basically, <laughs> you, you turned it into a cylindrical grinder, is what you did. Yeah, so yeah. it's very very cool. And then necessity, uh, right, right. Uh, and then the other thing I want to talk about the finish on this whole the entire piece, not just the metal pieces, is fantastic. Could you talk about your techniques for um, finish work and you know what products you use? Yeah. So I went through and when I first started doing pieces, you know, I did like tongue oil and then like different stepped up and then um, started mixing my own finish. Uh, but lately and actually for probably about the last four or five years, you know, I just use clear Danish oil and it following it to like what they say to do. Maybe I go a little overboard, but it's, you know, soak it, wipe it. Or no, soak it, let it sit for a half hour, soak it again, 15 minutes, and then and then wipe it. And I do that twice. Mm -hmm. And then after twice, I let it harden a little bit, you know, maybe for just at least 24 hours. And then everything gets uh, quad zero steel wool uh, to break off anything and smooth it all out. And then uh, three more applications of Danish oil with quad zero steel wool in between each one of those. So to finish it, it was probably, it, it was a, probably a, like a two week uh, thing. Wow. So when you're applying your finish, is it spray on or is it a brush on? Uh, it's just a rag. Um, okay. I set up a tin so I can just really flood the part. And um, a lot of times I have to make a bunch of different stands so everything can, have, you know, not just be laying in a big pool or something. Uh, but yeah. And then I, this one I had to do in stages cause there were so many individual pieces. 
Well, it turned out fantastic. It's you can tell like, the quality of somebody's craftsmanship by their finished work. Yeah. yeah. I'd love people to like in the boxes too, is to actually hold the pieces. This one's going to be a little bit hard to pick up, but my other boxes just the, I try to get it. So it's just silky. Mm-hmm. It's silky smooth whenever you do it. And they do get waxed after the finished cures for uh, two weeks. Like a paste wax or. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I'm curious on, is it the eyes of the wasp? Um, is that the eyes like on the top on the, next to the yeah. antennas? Okay. Yeah. All of the little, the little circles, the little details, is that just like hand carved all those little bitty? So those are actually uh, wood burnt. Oh. So okay. I actually, I, I picked up cause I wasn't positive what circle diameter was going to uh, look the best on it. So I picked up two different diameter uh, wood burning tips um, and, and then just started, I practiced on the basswood wasp and then got the pattern in my head that I was going to do. So then just hand started just wood burning all the circles on the eyes. That was another me thinking it needed a little bit more zhuzh. <laughs> <laughs> so now you took, you took this piece to one of the uh, woodworking shows. Is that correct? Yeah. The woodworking shows. Yeah. I've, oh, okay. uh, yeah, I've gone um, almost to every single one of them for a long time. And they always have a show off, you know, thing where you can bring a piece in and oh, it's yeah. really cool. And I don't know why more people don't do it. You get uh, you'll get in for free um, if you bring a piece to show. Mm-hmm. And it's just always just a nice time being around other woodworkers. You know, a lot of times, you know, my friends might start falling asleep because I can go on and on about woodworking. <laughs> they get a little bored. but. When you're surrounded by everybody that loves woodworking, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, especially pieces like this, it's just yeah. You'd almost say that they have a hive mind. <laughs> Ta-ding. So I think I need another drink after that one. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know about that one. <laughs> what's, right, mark down, cut that joke out. <laughs> well, keep it handy because I got a couple more. <laughs> uh, what's the oh, long term? <laughs> <laughs> what is the long term plan for this piece? Uh, most a lot of the pieces, I just I just have to build them. You know, I, I oh, don't okay. I don't know what it is. I just have to. Um, but what I, I really love trying to do is to get the boxes or if I try to do a sculptural piece or like this, I, I do like to try to get it into a gallery if possible, uh-huh. because oh, yeah. I, re- I really, I really love trying letting people see that woodworking can be elevated to like a gallery status. Right. I think a lot of, I think a lot of people just go eh, woodworker. My grandpa did that, whatever. And they just yeah. kind of brush it off and they don't know that, you can you can get stuff and make it really beautiful and get it into galleries for people to see um and it actually i just found out two days ago it got into the trout museum of art um 2023 contemporary art uh, exhibit oh nice Uh, yeah so it starts in starts in june so i'm pretty excited because they had uh, 406 entries but they only chose 106 pieces to go into it and that's everything. Oh, that's painting and ceramics and um, photography, like any kind of contemporary art you can think of. So I was pretty, I'm pretty excited to be you in the show. Be. Yeah. yeah pretty absolutely. Honored. 
Yeah. And I noticed that you had, was it uh, professional photos? You know, my, nothing that I've made needs professional photos or has earned professional photos, but this piece I think definitely, definitely had. So is, was that someone that normally takes pictures of your pieces or how's that connection? Uh, I have, uh, so there's two ways to do it. Um, I have my good friend, Joel mm -hmm. Alonso, who started out taking pictures um, of my pieces for me. Uh, just super nice guy, super talented, because product photography is a lot different than taking portraits yeah. of people or, or scenery or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn. And um, he did it for me. And, and I was always just so thankful for that. And then and then he taught me kind oh, of, you know, the, like, oh, you're going to have yeah. your camera set up this way. And we have um, we put it like one of our our spare bedroom. We put a semi photo studio in it. Um, but this one was so large uh, at work. We have a room that we take product photos. Um, oh. So I went in there and used the big uh, drop and everything like that for it. Nice. The only other picture question I had on that project, did you do anything to stabilize the wasp nest? Um, no, uh, because through research, it just doesn't seem like you're really supposed to do anything. There's a sure. lot of people that do shellac them, but mm. I think I, I just, and then other people, it's like one of those things, like an like a Amazon review, 50% of the people think it's crap. 50% of the people say, hey, no, you should do it this way. It's perfect, you know? And, uh, but most of what I could find is you just really don't touch them. So with the dome, that's, I'm trying to do what probably is the biggest killer is just dust and everything landing on it. Mm -hmm. So I think that that should keep most debris off of it and sure. keep it living for a while. Yeah. Now, are you sure there's, nothing actually living in it anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that means it would have had to live through three years of being underneath my miter saw. No. <laughs> so I think it's. <laughs> you had another recent box I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you called that one intake. And I think it was part of the shaper box challenge. Yes. Tell us about that piece and what is it supposed to be? Well, the piece I love, uh, it's just automotive design, sure. um, mm -hmm. I think is just, uh, it's underrated. I think people just look at a car and go, well, it's a car. But some people, I mean, I look at the lines and it's just, some of them are just so beautiful. And um, side scoops and hood scoops and everything like that, they flow usually so nice with the cars that it just gave me so many ideas for like a box. Um, yeah. Like just, and I have like six or seven probably more ideas for future boxes, but just like a regular, almost shaker hood kind of uh, shape um, I thought would be really cool for that. And they actually turn out to be the legs of the box. Yeah. Yeah. I know in that orientation, I was wondering where they, you know, air intakes like for a rear engine car or for brake cooling, or if it was, like you said, shaker on its side. How would you describe it? There's like a vent or a, a grill look to the top of the box. What's the inspiration behind that? Well, it really, I wanted it to flow really nice with the intake legs. Um, so it, it might be kind of hard to see it in there, but if there's a top view, everything blends in 
perfectly in a nice curve. Um, and that, so you had the intake and then probably like an old school grill to a car where you're going to have those lines and then just trying to get like a swept look to it. Um, and it's actually a wedge, a slight wedge shape. So it's, it's kind of like, it's going super fast and it's, you know, it's just blowing past the back end a little bit. Sure. So the material used on this box, I think I'm seeing maple again, um, which seems to be a material you like. And then what are these other, uh, the, the black and the, and the red woods? Uh, the black is, uh, Gaboon Ebony. Sure. Um, I got lucky. Um, I forgot where I got it from, but they were, I got a whole scrap box full of it. Oh, wow. Um, and so I just love like being able, if it was mainly for, probably for like jewelry and stuff, but I use it for little accents because that stuff is astronomically expensive. Mm. Um, but, um, I think it was Bell Forest Woods up in Michigan, um, that I got it from. And so those are in there and I hand filed the little like vent marks into it. Uh, the lid is made out of Paduke. Mm -hmm. and yeah the rest of it is like figured maple i mm -hmm. think the, the back leg is also gaboon ebony the little there's a little single little tiny leg that holds up the back yeah this would be like the coolest center console to have in a hot rod ever <laughs> like it looks so cool like a art deck like a 40s it looked yeah. really cool the little the the box that's the tray that's in it the handle for that is the little like diamond shape Mm -hmm. And that's that's really my only maker's mark is that oh. little diamond shape with the dot in the center. Yeah. Um, my grandfather uh, used to make like a shelf for the house or something like that. And his little thing that he would put on it, he's cut these little diamonds out of, of a different colored wood. And he'd take a brad nail and he'd nail it to the edge and he'd, he'd put a whole array of them to make like a pattern. Mm -hmm. But so... Um, that became my maker's mark is the little diamond with the dot, little That's dot cool. in the center. I right. love that. So this is another piece where the finish is just unbelievable. I've used all these woods yeah. and they've never come out looking like this. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to ask you, what's the purpose of this box? When you built this box, how did you see that it was going to be used? Well, in, in almost all the boxes that I do, um, there's not like a specific thing right off the bat, unless unless I'm doing an urn for somebody, um, there's not a specific use for them right off the bat. So you could put, I mean, it's, it's up to the person, whoever would love this box uh, to what they're going to put into it. It can, it can hold memories. It can hold something close to them. It could hold, you know, anything for me. I just, I have this vision of what I want it to look like. And then, um, and then I just have to make it. It's the, the design phase, but what's nice about, you know, I think everybody, a lot of people have their day job and you get, for me, then I get to come home and it's my design. Yeah. No, nobody's telling me what I have to do. Uh, you can just go purely what's in your head and just, just make it and see what it looks like in the end. It's in it. A lot of times, you know, you can just surprise yourself and it's something cool. Yeah. I, I love that sentiment. Um, I wanted to, you have so many beautiful pieces and we could go down a rabbit hole, but I want to ask you, uh, we have a segment we call this or that, where we give the guest a few different options and see kind of what they think. 
And with yours, I notice a lot of automobilia throughout your page. So, mm -hmm. you know, we talked about the hood scoops there, but you have also have a series where you do hood ornaments off things. So I wanted to ask you in that hood ornament, you know, vein, what's your holy grail hood ornament that you'd like to get to incorporate into a piece? Oh, you put me on the spot on this one <laughs> because there, there was the holy grail. So what I was trying to do is see, because I'm not remembering 100% at the moment is that we live in Kenosha and uh, very highly automotive because this is where Chrysler, everything, all the automobiles, AMC, biggest one. And I believe Nash's were made here also. And the the big surfer girl one or the one where she's she's got her hands down on like a double fin and it's the silhouette of her body and she's got her arms down. And that one, I'd have to send you a picture of it. That one I actually uh, I purchased um, from somebody from a collector um, and I haven't made anything with it yet just because it's so it's such an iconic uh, hood ornament. But. I think the next one that I'm going to do is like a 1940s um, Ford. It's one, it's one that was the airplane and I mm. really want to make it basically make the airplane come alive and start spinning like a 360 in the air. So I'll be curving the wood and the mount and everything to make it look like it's doing a spiral. Yeah. Yeah. Those that's really cool. You've got another automobile themed piece. It's a some muddlers that you make um, with kind of a gear shift head. Oh tone. yeah. Um, I just was kind of wondering what's the inspiration behind those, and what's your favorite cocktail to muddle? Hmm. Well, uh, once again, being from Wisconsin, it, it's uh, an old fashioned. Okay. So mm -hmm. got to do that. And uh, I don't know. I I looked around and I see muddlers, and I'm like, you know, the stick shift of a car would be like a perfect muddler, just like the handle and everything to hold on to. Um, so I forgot what website I went on to, but I bought a bunch of the, the inset gear shifter things. I'd buy, you know, be fair to everybody. I bought some four speeds, some five speeds, <laughs> and like a six speed uh, so that I could put different, um, the different shifting pattern on, on top of them. And those yeah. I had fun. I made, I made a few. That was one where I made, I made a few of them. I might steal that idea from you for myself. Though. <laughs> you do a lot of handwork and a lot of crafts work. Um, what's your opinion on, you know, now you can just send your files out to be laser cut or, you know, cut by a specialty shop. Have you ever considered doing something like that? Where's the time value return on craftsmanship versus three years on a project? Uh, I, I look at it like, I think if I, if I did have a CNC, um, because I have the right to, well, make the files for it at work. So uh, I would probably still use it to make uh, routing fixtures. So I could still, for me, I would probably still do the stuff by hand. Uh, but I do like the the precision of a of a good fixture or a, a routing template and stuff. One of the pieces I really liked on your page was the mail call where you took like an old post office mailbox and turned it into a, a box with wooden features. What's been your favorite item that you've upcycled into something new? You know, what's been your favorite piece of trash someone's given you that you've turned into something wonderful? Uh, that the mail call one was fun because it was um, 
that was a, a friend of uh, the family and she had worked at this bank and um, banker, the post office. I don't really know I'm getting messed up, but they took the trim down and she gave me the wood that used to be on the wall. Ah, So almost all of the wood that's in there was me uh, re-sign and book matching and going through and, and trying to make larger panels. And, and then in the end, I also turned her a pen made out of, made out of the wood. So that one was a lot of, that one was a lot of fun. Um, and I guess for upcycling, it's um, probably still the hood ornaments. I, I just love, you know, those are, it's a dying art thing. Well, in that, on that note, you have one more piece um, that I, I, it stood out to me. It was the Packard Swan hood ornament that you mm -hmm. put on a piece yeah. of walnut. Yeah. And my question to you is if I was doing this, I would have put the hood ornament on the walnut and stopped, but you didn't, you went through and you carved the wood to look like ripples in a lake. Do you always have a vision that is that far down the line or do you have a hard time saying, okay, this is where I'm going to stop. Cause even with the other one, you, you added the larva. It seems like you're always finding a new piece to add a new piece to add a new piece to stretch. How do you tell yourself when to stop? Um, when I look at it and I can just go, okay, that's, that was the finishing touch that I needed. The, um, the Packard, the Swan or the Cormorant, I had to learn that one too. Uh, I really just wanted to get uh, the movement because the hood ornament yeah. itself, it had a lot of movement to it, but, and I just wanted to accentuate that movement even more. Like it had just flown in and landed. Mm -hmm. And so that one was, that one was a lot of fun to work on. And then little hidden things, um, the base on that one, if you look at a side view, the curve of the wing uh, perfectly lines up with um, a line in the base where I, I did carving. So it's, it's a perfect um, swoop down. So little touches it. that will amplify a line and a design is just really fun. Because uh, I think sometimes people don't know they'll pick it up and maybe maybe that's what when they look at the piece they really like and they don't really know why, but the lines flow so perfectly on it. It just might they might go. I don't know why, but I just love this piece. Yeah. Yeah. The wasp piece is impressive, but that's the one that when I looked at it, it was like, I got to do more. This guy's doing way too much. I got to do more. I'm not doing enough. That's uh, it's unbelievable, yeah. which I mean, that turned in from just. I slapped a hood ornament on a piece of walnut and sold it at the thrift store to another art piece. It's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. I've noticed um, you've got, or I'm curious, like you've, you've got to pick up with a, a variety of exotics laying there. And you'd mentioned just different types of wood that you've got from different places. And then I think you um, you'd mentioned some spalted maple from, the farm where you grew up, where do you get the majority of the material that you're using or what's your ideal situation as far as resourcing? Well, I was, I was lucky for a while and we had an amazing lumber store that was in um, probably a half hour North of us. And uh, they handled domestics and exotics. Oh. Uh, but um, I go to estate sales. We love going oh. to estate sales. And a lot of times, 
you know, the guy was a woodworker or something. And they're like, what are we going to do with all this wood that he had? And I'll buy some pieces. Um, my, the funniest thing that I had one time was I got a call out of the blue and a guy had seen my card that I left at the lumber store and he goes, Hey, my dad was a woodworker and he has this whole basement. He passed away. Would you want this? And I mean, I feel bad kind of saying a story, but um, he didn't have the best. Uh, him and his father didn't get along very well. Uh, so he goes, take whatever you want. Just get it out of the basement. And there was turning blanks, exotic woods, boards. I just, it was on. I'm like, are you sure? And uh, yeah, it was pretty wild. The guy wow. actually was an animator on the Bart Simpson Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was it was super nice guy. You know, I wish he got along better with his dad. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to Austin, who just finds uh, newly divorced ladies to. I might have pull for the tools. <laughs> so we have one question that we ask uh, everybody that comes on the podcast, and it's the three tools question. And so if you were starting your workshop over again, what would be your first three tool purchases that you would start your shop with? Oh, that's always a tough one. Um, I was thinking about it though, and I, I'd have to say one table saw is just for breaking down stuff. It's just it's like a must-have for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I love my I use my router table so much. Um and, and I I'll stand behind I, I built it a long time ago with an INCRA fence system and the mechanical designer in me loves being able to move the fence a thousandth of an inch. <laughs> I, I can get really <laughs> anal when it comes to like setting up a, a piece. Um, and then I don't know, it's a toss up for me because I do a lot of, I love power carving with the Fordums, but then at the same time, a bandsaw it just gets mm-hmm. you so far. So I don't know, probably have to throw it to the bandsaw. Cool. Yeah. Hmm. One one thing though, I, what I tried to do with the pieces though is I did start out with something small, and then um, enter art contests, enter do call for arts, do do whatever you can, just put yourself out there. And I got you know lucky enough with building, making some of my pieces that I would win. Uh, I have a nice Delta table saw that was a grand prize from a national woodworking contest. Cool. Um, so win your tools. That's always. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the easy way. You know? <laughs> I think that's the I best advice we've had on this podcast. Yeah. I think you're the first person on the podcast who has ever said they won tools like that way. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, if you could please uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Well, you can find me at, on uh, Bane and Boxes on Instagram. And I believe, even I haven't even looked it up for a while. JeffBaneandBoxes.com. That would get you to, my, to that. And uh, yeah, that's, um, that, those are the two places. Awesome, man. Well, this has been awesome. Uh, you're very talented and I appreciate you uh, joining us tonight. Hey, thank you so much for, for asking. This was, this was fun. All right, All right Jay, thank you. All right. Thank thanks. You. Bye guys.
All right, I want to take a minute to thank all the folks over at Patreon for their support. And if you'd like to join them over there, patreon.com, Making Our Way podcast. And then you'll get a weekly little extra bit of content from us and a sticker pack. So we've got top tier, Marion Ward from Creative Ward Gallery, Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative, Justin from Bear Make It, Scott Horn from Daddy Yourself, Matthew from Artigino Sorio, Marcel Este, and Ozark Spirit. Then our middle tier is Tony Langer from Langerworks, Brenda McDonough from McDonough Design, Susan DePlantis from Hearth and Garden Art, Stephanie Taddeo, Kyle with Footwork Woodworking. All right, and then our first tier is Jacob with Griffin Makes, Keith Drennan from Blackthorn Concept, Jacob with Other Dog Design, Eric from Overall Makerworks, Jeff Stein, a weird guy, Dave Bauer, Caitlin Landerno, Morley Kurt, Greg from Platte Valley Woodworks, The Grant Alexander, Jen Griffin, The Black Sheep, Brian from Moonshine Leatherworks, Makeshift Podcast, Maritime Knife Supply, Jay-Z and D from Just My DIY, Henry from HT1 Metalworks, Brad Harrison from Brad's Customs, Steve Delaney from One Old School Pirate, Kelsey Watson, Steve at Making at Home, and then Dan Gallagher from Goofballs by Dan. Thanks, folks. Christy, I got to ask for some help. After mm-hmm. talking to Jeff, I kind of want to get my hands on one of these hood ornaments to make make something out of. But I know nothing about the antique world, the garage sale world. I don't even know how to find garage sales anymore. I mean, what's the insider's guide to finding places to shop for the good deals? If you want to go to estate sales, there's like a website, like literally just Google estate sales near me. And there's like an app or a website, not an app, a website that tells you exactly what estate sales are near you. So I'm a big fan of that would be where I would start. Anyway, but isn't that like charlatans sale. setting up shop and houses that are vacant and they're overcharging <laughs> you for stuff? No, that's when grandma's passed away. The kids are too distraught and they don't want to deal with having to coordinate a big auction, but yet they're making money. For the grandkids to have a better Easter and then the folks that are doing the work and doing the promotions, they're making a little off the top too. And then they get rid of stuff. They share it with the community, share it with the world so that all of those things don't just get stuck in the trash. It's definitely a charlatan. She's giving you some kind of charlatan pitch right now. I know. Oh my God. You know what those kids will be happy with on Easter? If their grandfather's tomb was empty, it would be a miracle for them. Um, what do you know, Austin? You're the auction auction king, you know. Yeah, so that there's an app that I use. It's called Yard Sale, and it pops up all the garage sales, all the estate sales. It uses like Craigslist, and it also cross references other sites, I believe. Oh. And uh, what's cool about that one is you can put a pin where you are, and it's like mm-hmm. it shows you the closest ones, you know. But that's or a you, specific app, though. Yeah. You got to be like psycho, not psycho. You got to be like an intense kind of person for it. First of all, rude. Second of all, yeah, (laughs) that's right. You got to be committed. Yeah. Now, when we were. When you're committed. (laughs) When we were. They don't have their bedroom window. Watching them. (laughs) Committed to them. So in order for us to find um, the flea market, whatever you want to call them. Um, We just Googled antique shops near me or flea market near me when, because we were over, you know, we were actually over in Oklahoma, which is only about an hour away. But, um, and then that showed us where the different ones were. And then when we kind of like got to what would, what would be considered, especially for a smaller 
rural type town, go to the downtown, yeah. which is not downtownish. You know what I mean? The old part of town, that is where you're going to find the real flea market antique shops, the locals. There used to be some going. good ones here in the neighborhood just south of me, but you know, the real estate got too expensive and those places mm. kind of got run out and uh, chain restaurants moved in or whatever. And then there used to be like, some, there's some malls here that are vacant and they're now big antique shops, but I just feel like, I don't know. I don't feel like you get good deals there when you can just go on eBay or Amazon. Um, I don't know. Get out of the bigger cities, get into the smaller towns. That yeah, would be my so. suggestion. Go to the smaller towns and that have like an old downtown. That's where you're going to find. That's where you're going to find them. There's this place I go on the weekends and hang out every now and then. And there's this guy who pops in every Saturday morning and he, oh, I just picked up this Stanley number five hand plane or I picked up and he doesn't even know what it is. He does no woodworking. He just knows tools are collectible and he picks them up at all these garage sales. I told Chris, I was like, we got to start doing this. Suck up some time, spend a little less money. Um, maybe I told her, you know, we were looking at a house, a much larger house. And whenever it kind of fell apart, I said, you know, the one thing I was most looking forward to was buying furniture to ups, upcycle. You know, I love to you know modify stuff. Wanted to upcycle some furniture and sell it kind of like Jen does and all mm -hmm. these other guests we've had. And she was like, where would you put all this? I was like, in the bigger house. And she's like, yeah, you just convinced me not to buy a bigger house. <laughs> mid-century so hot right now with all the brass accents and mm -hmm. i just want to go buy some really cool old uh just minimalist type stuff yeah, yeah there was too. when we were looking at these flea market antique shops whatever you want to call them you, you know recently i think it was chris had a, a well a, like a desk like kind of like what you've got there austin right and um we saw one that was a smaller version and it was like it was like 20 bucks and unfortunately we had no way of transporting it short of coming back all the way here and, and back and stuff. And we don't necessarily need it, but it was like one of those super heavy duty. It would have been ideal for like, yeah, well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But it was, um, it was all metal that, uh, that's the hard thing solid. too. When you start doing stuff like that, you take all the good stuff, not just the stuff you need. And then I always, I'm not like that. Like I can walk past a bowl of candy and not take every Snickers out. Like, you know, I can leave Snickers for the people. I don't have to take all the Snickers and I don't want to go to the antique store and like, oh my God, they have, you know, but I, I'll watch Adam Savage. Like he'll show every now and then, oh, I, I went and they had these leather punches. So I bought them all. And it's like, we get it, man. You've got a ton of money. Leave some of that stuff for, you know, just take <laughs> what you need. You don't need all of those. Well, but sometimes because I'm thinking that the lady that was like, we will negotiate anything. She needed some cash. Yeah. So, you know, if if I want and, and really, I just couldn't find a whole lot of other stuff. They had a ton of stuff. Yeah. But it, I, it says you know. antique antique store on the outside. It, when they say that, when you walk in, that says bargain prices. <laughs> yeah. But there just really wasn't a whole lot of other stuff. They had a uh, a buffalo blower for like a cool forge but i'm like and so when i was messaging with um brett he's like oh that'd be a, a great you know project and i'm like yeah, yeah we've seen it, a youtube video Brett. we don't need to do do yeah yeah his and we ended up watching a bunch of his videos um that afternoon because we're hoping like the um the vice that we got well not hoping but 
I know Marvin had sent uh, asked you, Austin, for your setup for your stand, which is really similar to the one right. that Brett did. So that will be a, a, a welding project that we'll be doing. Sure. In hopefully the not too distant future. Well, but cool. Um, well, maybe not this weekend because it's Easter, but maybe uh maybe the weekend after I can convince Kristen to hop in the car with me and drive out to small town USA and see if I can mm-hmm. find some junk to bring home. There you go. Throw it in my exactly. trunk. Thanks for joining us today. If you like this episode, please give us a review and subscribe. We'd love to hear from you, so reach out to us on Instagram at Making Our Way Podcast or on Patreon. You can find all of our latest individual content on Instagram or YouTube. I'm at High Caliber Craftsman. Dean is at Dean underscore Duplantis. And Christy is at Twisted Twine Woodworking. Lick it, stick it, see you later, bye.